It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall, and uh, well, I'm, I'm excited. This may be one of the greatest successes ever attempted in the Cultural Hall, or it might be one of our greatest failures. We'll see. Uh, I, it is a news episode, and uh, co-hosting the news today with me is Taylor Westbrook, whom has never been on the show. Taylor, thank you for being here. Thank you, Richie. I'm excited to be here. It's nervous as heck to be here as well, but we'll see how it goes, like you said. Now, uh, Taylor sent me an email, and uh, he says, I'm going to share it uh, actually with us. It says, hey, Richie, listening to articles of news right now, loving it as always. Thank you, Taylor. Uh, I wondered something the last couple times I've listened. Have you considered slash would you consider adding another member to the rotation who is of a a younger generation. Sometimes a topic comes up on the show, not podcast. Thank you, by the way, Taylor. If you would have just left it at podcast, we would be in trouble. And I wonder what someone close to my age, 26, could add to the conversation. P.S. You're all young at heart, so don't take that the wrong way. P.P.S. This is definitely me shamelessly throwing my hat in the ring. If you do choose to inject some youth into the cultural hall, thanks for all the laughs, brother Taylor Westbrook. So, I reached out to Taylor and I said, all right, you're doing the next one. And he said, what, you're not going to talk to me? Because we didn't talk on the phone. We didn't uh, hop on a Zoom call or anything like that. And I said, no, let's just try it. Let's see what happens. And that's what this is. Yeah, I was definitely expecting more of a like copy and paste answer. Uh, thank you for your for your thought. We'll take that into consideration. And uh, Richie's email just said, all right, I'll bite. You're on the next episode. Yeah. Uh, but for a second, I was regretting my my choice of words there, but I was like, you know what? Let's do it. Let's yeah. Let's give it a try. Here's the thing. Uh, in my life, I have found um, far more uh, successes from just being like, let's try it because listen, and I can already tell that it, it's going to be a great fit. But let's say that you came on and just were terrible, just the worst thing ever. It is a memorable thing that we would all, everyone in the hall would look back and go, do you remember when you had Taylor on? What a disaster that was. <laughs> or like when I bring on a new co-host, it sets a lower bar to where people would be like, well, he or she is, is, is terrible, but not nearly as terrible as Taylor was. So I knew that we would win no matter what. And already, like I say, you have been great. Perfect. All right. Well, I'm glad that there's little expect, little to no expectation <laughs> here. So <laughs> I'll do my okayist. I'll do my uh, I'll do my ist. Yeah. Uh so tell me uh you've told us a little bit about it. You your name Taylor, obviously. You are 26. Yeah. Uh tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, church experience, all that kind of stuff. All right. Uh so I grew up in Bountiful. Okay. North of Salt Lake. Um same house my mom grew up in. My family's been there a long time. Um on my mom's side, I mean church been in the church since the beginning um you know early apostles early pioneers things like that um i didn't really participate in church much when i was young it was kind of like one of those things where when i turned 12 the ward would work really hard to get us active active so i could get ordained as a deacon and then mm -hmm. stop coming again and then again at 14 and 16 and so on and then right around when i was like 17 i really became active in the church and decided to go on a mission uh, a couple months after graduating high school. So I served my mission in Cusco, Peru. Okay. Uh, coolest mission you could go to. Uh, was more of a vacation. I know you're not supposed to think of it like that, but it was amazing. 
But um, wait, now tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Because uh, when you said Cusco, I immediately thought of the Emperor's New Groove, and then I was gone as far as thinking about <laughs> what your mission might be like. But what, like, it's still work. Like, you're not able to be like, oh, today I went swimming, and then we went out on the catamaran and all that kind of stuff. So why was it more of a vacation? Oh, sure. Um, I guess more because, you know, whereas here I see missionaries on P-Day just kind of like walking around or hanging out at the church. We were like going to Machu Picchu and going to all the different ruins and seeing all the tourist sites. So obviously, yeah, there's tons of work to do in Cusco. Um, And, uh, but as far as just how cool of a place it was to visit, it it felt a little bit sometimes like we were getting, we had the lucky draw for sure, being able to serve in such a amazing beautiful place that is the first that i had when i opened my call though i had no idea where peru was i hadn't read the language yet i was like speaking peruvian maybe i don't know yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then i thought cusco that's that that's the emperor yeah so that's really all i knew about it going in but it was an amazing place for sure now you mentioned something else too uh that you right after you graduated essentially so obviously serving after the age changes happened which for anyone listening now they're like yeah that's been a decade plus my friend uh is that wild to be like, da, 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 Cusco, and now you're off and gone? Or would, did that seem like the next natural step for you to take? Uh, I mean, I guess it was a little weird. But so my sophomore year of high school is when that age change happened. So <laughs> I kind of saw these two waves of of missionaries go out right after. So I think it seemed a little bit of a normal step for me. I uh, do, didn't really excel in school was really apprehensive about the aspect of or the prospect of going to college. So I was like, great, a a good excuse not to, I didn't leave until like November after graduating. So for a few months, I was kind of just hanging out, working, all that good stuff. But uh, it definitely was interesting because there's such a cultural thing with leaving right after high school. Like, you know, you go to seven farewells every Sunday and it was, it was definitely an interesting thing. But um, but yeah, I, I feel like for me, it was good to go right after. Yeah, that way you could kick the can, that education can down the road. You're like, man, yeah. we'll worry about that another time. Let's go. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We'll definitely get to that at some point. So when you came home, uh, about what you thought it would be like, I mean, you said sort of looking back on it as a vacation time, uh, a great success, not very much success. Um, what was the church and and like that aspect of the mission like? Um, I feel like I had some good success. Um you know, had some amazing converts. Uh, in my first area, we baptized an entire family, and that was just amazing. Cool. The son of the family ended up serving a mission. He left on his mission like three months before I uh, went home. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, definitely saw some good success. Um, yeah, it was good. I liked it. Coming home was a little weird. I definitely didn't, you know, I think coming home from a mission, you have all these ideas of how you're going to just excel at life and be the greatest return missionary that has ever walked to the planet. Uh-huh. Um, humbly, of course. Um, and then that didn't happen. So that was, that was kind of fun, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, that's pretty exciting. So that means you what been back. Am I, if I'm doing math right about five or six years, is that right? Uh, let's see. I got home in October of 2017. So we six years, a little yeah, over six and a half years. Are, are you a married person? Did you go to school then afterwards? Give me an idea of some of that stuff. So I did some school and kind of decided, I don't know if this is for me. It's it's on the back burner. We're not sure. giving up on it for for good. But for now, I'm kind of comfortable in my career and everything. Um, So I actually met. So, okay. Last day of my mission in Cusco, I met a family that included a girl. Mm-hmm. They were from California. Okay. Um, And found out she was moving to Salt Lake in a couple of weeks. So, you know, bells are going off. Things mm-hmm. are clicking into place. 
And uh, we started dating when I got home, which was the next day. So I guess more we started <laughs> dating when she moved there a couple of weeks later. Um, and we got married. We are now divorced, actually. Oh, um, no. Yeah, that, so, that story took a left turn where I didn't think <laughs> right. that was going. Okay, it was definitely. It was, you know, people loved hearing that story. So now the story has a new ending. So now it's fun to tell again. So not fun, not like it, not like fun, but it, yeah, fun to see the reactions like sure. how red Richie's face is right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, from one uh, divorced person to another, let me tell you that uh, 2.0 is always an upgrade. Uh, should you ch- choose to do that? I'm loving 2.0. So not to worry. Not to worry. Plus, you got it for forever, right? And you had a good experience. And the thing is, when I uh, worked at BYU, and there would be people that would come up to me and be really distraught that they weren't married, you know, 21, 22, 23, sometimes 24. And I and I would tell them, in, in somewhat seriousness, just marry anyone who will marry you. It's not going to be the one that you'll be with the rest of your life. So just get it done. Get all of the things that you think marriage is going to be and figure out exactly what you don't want in a partner. And then, you know, don't, don't, don't uh, mix your finances. Don't, don't make it complicated. And then start looking again for 2.0 and you'll be great. You should teach a, a marriage class. At, at I, no, I should not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool. So then, uh, so professionally, as vague or as detailed as you want to be, what do you do for a living? Yeah, I uh, am an assistant manager at a plasma center. So I'm sure many listeners have heard of or have donated plasma probably when they were in college. Uh, So I just kind of oversee the day-to-day operations. So I started in this industry um, during COVID. Okay. Uh, Previously, I worked as a medical interpreter so translating in hospitals for patients that only speak spanish oh um, cool that's got to yeah. be super rewarding yeah it was awesome uh yeah. it was a great way to you know keep up my spanish after my mission um but you know once covid hit nobody was really going to the doctor mm-hmm. unless it was an emergency and we were like on contracts like they'd tell you like a week in advance like hey there's this appointment so didn't really have work to do i had donated plasma before and i was like i mean i see this place opening up let's check it out and it's just been a really good fit so been there Oh, it'll be four years in May, which is crazy to think that that's when the pandemic started. But yeah, you know, it it also probably strikes me that with some of the characters that you get in at a plasma center and and you are a gentleman of size, uh, you you throw some weight around that probably once or twice you've had to be like the get out of here or a come on, move along kind of guy. Absolutely. My boss calls me the escalator. Um, In his opinion, I take situations that could be very calm and I escalate them. I don't think so. I think I just handle business sometimes. But yes, there have definitely been times where people, you know, people think you're messing with their money if you don't let them donate and things like that. So I've definitely had to uh, escort some folks out of the building, but never with hands, just with, you know, imposing with my size. But I'm also maybe I might not be as big as I look on camera, but yeah. Well, I mean, the camera adds a hundred pounds, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what it is. You're actually yeah. very scrawny in real life. Yes, yeah, 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 super skinny. At hundred pounds. Well, cool. Uh, anything else that you feel like we should know about you as we uh, kind of wrap up these opening exercises? Then we'll take a break and take and do some news. I don't think so. I'm sure I'll think of something later, though. Okay, cool. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything exciting on my end worth sharing. Uh, mm, oh, I, uh, I. I had an interesting uh, exchange with um, the uh, bishop of my ward again. So I have a, in our building, there is this long hallway, just 
imagine like the longest, like if you've ever seen the movie Green Mile, which no one has seen because it's rated R, obviously. Um, but you you have that long hallway, and there's there's like the kind of um glossed out windows on the right hand side, and then just straight white brick for the entire thing. And I uh I I maybe also am an escalator of sorts. I went up to my bishop and I said, Can we please put something in this hallway? Something that will remind us of Jesus or since this chapel has been in the, my particular area, let's do a history of the church in this area, like a chronological, it's got plenty of room. We could start when the church first came to the area and went, go all the way. And, uh, and, and he just sort of grabs my hand and goes, that's a nice idea. <laughs> that sounds like the response I was, I was expecting from you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a nice idea, Taylor, but we're not doing any more of this episode. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to do some actual articles of news. Hi friends, Dan the Laptop Man here from PC Laptops. Our lifetime service guarantee has become the most trusted warranty in the industry. You can get a brand new PC Laptops desktop computer and they start at only $29 a month. Check us out at PCLaptops.com. BestDJinUtah.com. You're right. It's a new ad. What? Well, it's been an entire season since I've recorded a BestDJinUtah.com ad. And well... The wedding season coming to an end at this point, but not really because what happens now is everyone who's going to get married in 2024 reaches out and says, Richie, is it possible? Do you still have this date? And I tell them, yes, hopefully. And then we get you booked. We'd love to be able to work with you. Uh, travel all along the Intermountain West. Some people call it the Jello Belt. Uh, you can go to bestdjinutah.com to request a quote. You can find us on any of the social medias at Best DJ in Utah, and uh, we can answer any questions. Affordable, yes. Over 400 five-star reviews, yes. Highest rated in the state of Utah, uh-huh, go on. It's bestdjinutah.com, and, and I'll give you a little hint. It, it also helps me to be able to do this, like financially support the cultural hall through that, and you get something in return. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Here in the second half of Articles of News, we do actual Articles of News. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose Articles of News. And away we go. Uh, I want to start here because we always ask for you guys to do reviews, and when people do it, I want to be able to reward those people by saying, hey, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel whose name is actually Owen, uh, he uh, wrote a review that says, quote, really enjoyed episode 755, the best whatever of 2023. The quick hits of the four award presenters accompanied with the full richiness of the master of ceremonies gave this episode the feel of the Golden Globes or the Oscars. Keep up the great work. How are you going to outdo your great efforts in 2023? I, as all the other listeners, can't wait to see where you're going to take us and what you will teach us in 2024. Thank you, Owen, for that review. If wherever you get the cultural hall has a place for you to leave a review, please do it. It uh, it means something to us, and it allows us to uh, 
to 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 feel like what you know you were willing to take a couple minutes and say hey thanks thanks for that uh i i wanted to start in the first actual like news story um i heard this and saw this a bunch online uh this last week because the community of christ uh has just called their first female prophet and president. Now, this is the cultural hall. Uh, we are obviously, you know, with the mainstream Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, they called, I believe it's Stacy, although it's spelled S-T-A-S-S-I. So maybe it's Stasi, uh, who had most recently served as a member of the faith first presidency. And uh, and now that is the president and prophet of the church. I wonder, and some people have speculated online, do you feel, Taylor, like this is a big deal that will impact the mainstream LDS church, or is this just an interesting kind of side? Oh, this is what the community of Christ is doing. That's interesting. I I feel, I mean, I don't know a ton about the community of Christ. Um, I feel just with how small the their church is in comparison, I don't know how, how much of a impact it'll have. Maybe just some members bringing up like, Hey, they're, they're doing this. Why can't this be something in our church as well? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, it's for me, it's nothing more than, Oh, that's cool. Um, I also, this is just kind of random, but I noticed in the quote that she, that she said, I, I was kind of struck by the difference in like language. It seems like that maybe that's just her, maybe it's all their leaders. I don't know, but it's very poetic in the tapestry of gratitude woven with threads of humility. I find myself with the church. Like I was just kind of taken back like, huh, that's very poetic of her, the way she, the way she framed it. But yeah, I don't know how much of an impact it'll have, but it's definitely interesting. I, uh, yeah. And the, the previous president hasn't passed away as I understand. Right. Yeah. As I understand it, it's just, and, 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 and that's another thing that I think people sort of point to and go, yeah, listen, if, and we've talked about this here in the cultural hall a few times. It's it, it can be a life uh, a life um, calling, unless someone doesn't want to, <laughs> and then let them not be that for a little bit. That's a that's a talk for a different time, a speech, a rant for a different time. I, I it is worth noting though. Uh, let you not downplay that they have two hundred fifty thousand members in fifty nine countries. Taylor, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, and and I think it's also interesting because there are some when they leave. Uh, the mainstream Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they find um, either as a tradition, uh, or I'm sorry, as a transition place or as a relocation place within the community of Christ because it holds a lot of the same tenets as the mainstream church, but doesn't have some of the other things, you know, uh, women leadership uh, being, you know, maybe foremost, one of those things that the community of Christ has that we don't as much have. And so I maybe it's interesting to me or a little bit more, um, then just kind of exciting news for that church to me, because I think that people go, well, Hey, other people, other groups, they are changing. Is this a change that's in store for us? And obviously we believe in revelation and all of the things that come along with that. But I know that, you know, the more people that are doing something else, there definitely becomes, if at very least a social pressure to be like, well, Hey, everybody else is. So why can't we? That's a good point. I also wonder though, I don't know how inclined the church would be to uh I, it seems like the community crisis is like a church that the church wants to make sure that there's a distinction mm -hmm. because they broke off from the church and so on and so forth so maybe it could even have the opposite effect like well, okay well they did that we want to make sure that you know we we keep this line between what is the the church and what is this reformed church and so uh, but yeah, I mean, I guess as more and more churches start to uh, include more female leadership and other and other things, I wonder if down the line it would be more uh, more likely. Of course, 
revelation, all that. Sure. But, sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's like one of the great things I was listening to. I think it was a Mormon land episode the other day where they're like, well, one of the great blessings of a church that has uh that believes in divine revelation. Uh, is that it's like, yeah, any there, there's nothing that's off the table. If you believe that the prophet can receive revelation for anything, it's like, today it's this, tomorrow it's that, and the only thing separating this from that is the prophet saying, thus saith the Lord, and then we're off to the races. So Absolutely. Now, you had a story that uh, in the preparing of news, I didn't actually have, and I'd love it if you'd share that with me. Yeah, so I was kind of telling Richie that I, I believe it's been a few years since I started listening to the show, but I think that one of the first episodes or maybe the first episode I heard was one where Molly Bonner was was on and was talking about different things. And you guys mentioned the Genesis group, mm-hmm. um, which if people don't know, it's a, it's a group within the church for Black Latter-day Saints. Um, so ever since then, I've been attending and it's been amazing. Um, now, it's <laughs> worth pointing out for people who are listening, are you a Black Latter-day Saint? Yes, I am. Uh, I'm half black, half white. Uh, but yes, I, I I would say I more identify as black. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, but anyway, so we have a monthly devotional first Sunday of every month. Um, and this month, the devotional was the main focus was reorganizing the presidency. So uh, President Stovall had been the president for the last six years, along with his counselors. Uh, but uh, Elder Pearson, who is the Utah area president, was in attendance uh, that first Sunday of this month to call the new presidency. So, and there's some very interesting people on here. I mentioned to Richie, I think a couple of these you should try and have on the show because they're very interesting. So the new president of the Genesis group is Ron L. Hugh. Um, He is a wildly successful businessman. He currently is the senior vice president of products and marketing for Deseret Book. Mm. Um, He held a similar role at Qualtrics. Um, HP, Adobe, Walmart, Microsoft. Um, he's also the founder of yeah, a company called Breathing Inclusivity, um, mostly where he helps companies, you know, find ways to be more inclusive, things like that. Wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah, he was not too long ago, within the last year, he was the speaker at the Genesis devotional. So I think that's a big part of him receiving this new calling. Um, so yeah, very interesting uh person. He was on all in at one point. Okay. Uh, yeah, very, very interesting guy. Um, the first counselor is Roy Banks. Um, he is a five-time CEO. Most recently was the CEO at Weave, um, that company down in Utah County. I don't know much about what they do though, but yeah, I've just seen the, I've just seen the large building and on the side of the building in the lit up letters, it says Weave and I go, Oh, okay. That's That's, the building. That must be Weave. They're there. Um, yeah. Five-time CEO. Uh, he was also, he's also a veteran of the Navy. Um, what I found interesting is, that he mentioned in his testimony that that meeting where he was being called as the first counselor is the first time he has attended a Genesis group meeting. So mm. it's kind of like, I wonder how they even found these people, but, yeah. but yeah, I mean, no hate, it's all good. And then the second counselor is named Adam, Adam Hine, and he is a pediatric dentist up in the Leighton Roy area and a former football player at BYU. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a great meeting. It was one of those meetings, you know, where you get the new bishopric or you get the new leadership and everybody gets to share their testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a little bit intense for me. So the president, first and second counselor and the president's wife of the former presidency bore their testimonies. Uh-huh. And the president, first, second counselor and secretary of the new presidency bore their testimonies. And then uh, Elder Pearson spoke. It went well over and my impatient brain that wasn't thinking of Jesus, but was thinking of dinner was like, let's get this going. But yeah. How long, how long uh, are those 
first of the month uh, meetings typically? So typically, uh, there's 30 minutes of the Deborah Bonner Unity Gospel Choir performance. Uh-huh. Um, so it's kind of before the devotional officially starts. They're just mm-hmm. singing it. Um, and then it starts, and it's usually about an hour and a half. So two about two hours total. I, I think an hour of the devotional part would be just perfect, but it tends to go and, and they don't do, it's not like a sacrament meeting. They no. don't pass the sacrament or anything like that. This is just a, a devotional on the first Sunday. Is it at nighttime during the day? Can anyone attend? Do you need to be a person of color? How? Tell me all about that. If people are listening to this going, that sounds awesome. Could I go? Yeah, it's uh, it's in the evening. So the choir starts singing at 530. It's open to everybody. It's not just for people of color. Um, that is the main focus of the Genesis group. That's the purpose that the first presidency gave it when it uh, officially organized it over 50 years ago. Um, but yeah, anyone's welcome there. It's really, I mean, we're in Utah. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. So <laughs> it's about half, maybe 40% black members and the rest, you know, a, a mingle, a mix of everybody. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so it, it's not, they, you know, it says on their website, you know, it's not to replace regular uh church attendance or worship or anything like that so everyone still attends in their home wards and then that evening we have a meeting with the choir and then a black history spotlight so somebody will share a little bit of somebody um that they have researched or found in black history um then one of the choir members will lead us in a song of praise so those songs that you'll hear in a you know baptist church in the south they teach the whole congregation that we all sing it together that's awesome Um, and then the devotional speaker, and then usually there's about maybe 20 to 30 minutes of testimony. So it's like your second testimony meeting of the day. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. There's there's clapping, there's cheering. It's not as reverent, but in the best way possible. It's I recommend anyone go. It's, yeah, we meet in Draper every first Sunday of the month. Now tell me this for you. Uh, how has that, because it's an extra meeting, like you pointed out, How how has that helped your faith or has it? It definitely has. Um, I'll just, I'll be totally honest. Do it. So I heard about Genesis back in 2020, which for many reasons was a trying time for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, for me as a member in the church, uh, 2020 with the George Floyd protests and all the other protests and, and tension going on, it was starting to get a little bit difficult to remain totally complacent in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 2020, it showed a lot of people's true colors. Um, and I heard a lot of things from members that were that really took me aback regarding race and things like that. And it kind of made me realize, like, wow, we we have a way to go, not just in our country, but within our church as well. Um, and so once and, you know, Genesis stopped meeting for a while during 2020, just like sacrament meeting and all that. So when I attended the first Genesis meeting during COVID, um, it was just such like a sigh of relief just to just to be able to, you know, share that part of uh, me and my culture with other people who, who understand it. Um, you know, I don't think it's good to always, you know, separate, you know, obviously yeah. we don't bring back segregation, or yeah. like that. but growing up in Bountiful, I didn't know a lot of black kids. I didn't know a lot about black culture. It's something I've had to kind of delve more into as an adult. And so, um, yeah, Genesis has, has been huge for me for sure. Now, uh, last question about this: When people attend, is it like uh, is it like Sabbath attendance dress? Do you wear are you wearing shirts and ties, or is it more cash as far as that goes? Uh, both. The, lots of people are just wearing what they wore earlier, and then there are plenty of people who are not members and they're wearing a t shirt and jeans. Cool. Um, so definitely not required, but I, I think you know Latter Day Saints would just be more comfortable wearing exactly what they normally wear because they're in the they're in the chapel and it's very you know there's an opening prayer and there, there's a presiding. Uh, priesthood body and everything. So 
Yeah. yeah. How long until you talk in that? Is that coming up soon? Do we need to <laughs> oh, suggest your uh, name there? A few years. Give me a few yeah. years to warm up. Just send them an email saying that you're interested. and then. <laughs> yeah, I think I learned my lesson on that. <laughs> to really pick wh- where I send my emails. Just make sure you're ready. All right, let's get into some other news. I appreciate you sharing about that. I have never attended and I've always uh, intended to. So now that I know that there's someone there that I could go and sit with and not be like that one guy that's like, hey, guys, hey, <laughs> I can have someone to sit by. Maybe I'll absolutely I'll join you. A um, couple things that I thought were sort of interesting. This from the church newsroom that the Young Men General Presidency now has new social media channels. On the 16th of January, they launched an Instagram and Facebook and quickly gained a lot of followers. Here is the thing with this. I think this is a direct reflection on Emily Bell Freeman, who is so great at social media and has had such a great social presence. She gets called, she gets in, and she goes, guys, what are we doing here? Let's do some, let, you know, the young women have had this on lock for probably six months. And and then they're looking across the aisle at the gentleman going, are we, are you going to do this? Are you going to follow the example here? Can we go ahead and do this? And now they have, and it's a place that, you know, your young men can, can follow along and it's not like stuffy. Maybe that's not the right word for it, but it it, it is a place for young men to, you know, find, follow and, and gain things at their level, um, a great experience, just like any other social media that you would follow. You know, it appeals to the people that it should appeal to, as opposed to people trying to appeal to the people that it should. And they've just done a great job. And so they sort of relaunched that this last week. So you can find a link to that in the show notes and be sure that you follow along with that. And then the other thing, uh, new presidency within the presidency of the 70, obviously with the calling of Elder Kieran to be an apostle, uh, there is a little shift in and shake within the presidency of the 70. Uh, Elder Earl B. Cook is now the senior president, and Elder Marcus B. Nash has been appointed to the 70 presidency. Elder Cook is a native of Ogden. He served as general authority since 2011, served in the Africa Southeast Area Presidency. He also uh, graduated from Weber State and Utah State. He worked in commercial real estate development. That's kind of his background. And then Elder Nash has been a general authority 70 since 2006. He served in the South America Northwest, the South America West, Africa West, uh, the North America Northeast and North America Southeast areas. And he also has served as an executive director in the Church History and Correlation Department, the executive director, director of the Correlation Department, and as a member of the Boundary and Leadership Change Committee. But most recently, he was the executive director of the Missionary Department. Well, he's been serving 36 new missions created to the point of 450. So pretty cool to see these uh, two gentlemen uh, be appointed, making quick work of getting that that, uh, blank space filled. I know that online I was noticing a lot of people that are like, cool, 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 two white guys. Why did we do this? There's some other people that are in the 70. Then I think that people really want to see the representation from all of the church. Do you, when you see different people be called, does that strike different to you? Or are you like, yeah, no, I'm just as like everyone else. Let's make it a, let's make it a potpourri of people. Um, Interesting question. I I mean, to me, I, I don't want it to be like, well, it's, you know, we're in the 21st century. So let's call every, you know, a person from every single country and a person of every color to make mm-hmm. sure that it's all, all get, you know, I think those brethren are there serving uh, the way that God wants them to. Um, but I, I certainly enjoy seeing, you know, when 
a new black 70 is called or this, that, and the other, but you know, it would feel forced if it's like, okay, for the next 10 years, every single person that's called into the presidency, the 70 or the 70 or what have you mm-hmm. is a person of color. I would feel, okay, it's, it's a little forced at this point. Let's just call. And you know, the, I, I would think the majority of members still live in, well, maybe that's not, but I mean, you know, the, the country with the most dense population of members is the United States. Of course, the majority live outside of it, but as far as like one country. So um, there are many white members as well. So I, I don't have any you know issue with that. But yeah. uh, I guess it, it just depends what, you know, what uh, responsibilities they're they're filling. What's what's going to be best work. Hold on. Which. So is one of them going to be like an area president? So. So, yeah. The, so what happens is, is when you're called into the presidency in the 70, you're in the presidency and then you have other responsibilities right. that are sort of under it. But there are seven presidents of the 70 and then elder cook is going to be the presidents of the presidents because we got to have the hierarchy so that everyone knows it's interesting so you bring you bring up an interesting point that like uh, and this is secular so everyone go with me for a second but it has been interesting under president biden uh you know president of the united states how he has made almost that concerted effort to do the thing that you're saying right like let's make sure we've got a latin base and a black uh representative and women and you know all of these um these these groups that may be sometimes underrepresented and 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 to the world and to our country i think that that has meant something but has it been in balance and that's an interesting thing certainly a stark difference from how you see a secular organization run than uh, uh than a religious or specifically our religious organization run um i i would think that there would be strengths and and uh and weaknesses with both being, yeah. you know, having those those kind of things happen. I, so. I mean, specifically when you're talking about an organization like our church, where it's run by revelation, I, mm-hmm. I just think that would be the wrong approach. Um, yeah. And so, I don't know. It, it's a tricky. It's it's such a tricky thing because, you know, you have groups of people who haven't been given that opportunity, and then you have people from the group that has always, you know, had opportunity. Let's let's call it what it is: white men sure. who. Sure are very qualified to, to fill those roles. And so it, it's, you know, it's nuanced. It's, it's tricky. I don't know if either one would, is the one to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm uh, lost on that. Yeah. I like the base though of what you say, which is that we know that the Lord has called the people that he's called. Right. Yeah. And we can take great faith in the people that are called. And as you know, different people get called, we can just hopefully find that, that testimony or that, that uh, foundation of like, yeah, God called that person, whatever, you know, whatever color they may be. I love that they've been called, called and qualified by God. Uh, Where did you want to go? What story did you want to take next? Uh, One that I really liked was that I had not heard about until you sent me this list was the, um, the musicians are invited to submit covers for the come follow me song of the week. I hadn't heard of this. This is pretty cool. So musicians in the church are invited to submit original covers to be featured monthly in Come Follow Me. So they understand that there's going to be like a song of the week to kind of assist in bringing the spirit for your study uh, for that week of Come Follow Me. And there's a there's a hymn for each month going forward. And uh, yeah, artists are encouraged to, you know, record an original version, a cover of it, making slight adjustments to like the tone of it and the style and things like that but of course maintaining the you know the 
the words and the spiritual nature of it. So no like screamo, did you think to pray? <laughs> that would be cool. I, I would like to hear at least one of those just to see their their uh their take on it. But uh yeah, this is the, I found this very interesting for sure. Yeah, uh February is high on the mountaintop. That's February 2024. Did you think to pray March of 2024 and sweet hour prayer for uh April of 2024? But to to your point I was sort of more interested in, I mean, I know that I'll love the ones that get passed along and are inspirational, but mm-hmm. I'm almost more interested in what was submitted that was absolutely Just. not going to be allowed, right? Yeah. That would be really interesting to see. Um, they gave, uh, they there's a link to the Songs of Devotion album that the church released as kind of like, Here's a here's an example of of changing the style, you know, the stylistic range. I actually love that album. There's a few of those that I listen to on Sunday that are really, really amazing. Um, and the church kind of laid out all the rules for it, you know, um, and how to make your submission and all that stuff. I'm uh, I'm really interested to see what those submissions are, but I would love like a secret link to the worst submissions that they got. That would be. Or I hope that people who don't get on share them on social media or something like that because I have to know if there's a a rap version of uh, High in a Mountaintop, you know. Yeah, would... or a funk version of Sweet Hour of Prayer, right? Like a big bass slappy, boom, mm-hmm. boom, like I don't, you know, that kind of. Yeah, I, I think that should make it. If that one's on there, that should make it, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, but the deadline is February 11th. So yeah, anybody interested, get your submissions in. Make sure you follow the rules and. Yeah, I'm 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 excited. Actually, one thing I did forget to tell you in the intro is I just got called as a Sunday school teacher. Okay. Um, and so I'm I'm thinking about maybe including these songs of the week in the uh yeah the maybe the as people are filing in. I'm in a YSA ward now, so sure. you know class starts about 20 minutes late. Uh, so you know <laughs> just have that song playing while everyone's filing in, get the spirit going. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see what kind of songs come out from that. I like it too, because it it allows people to be aware, just like you said, and just like I was before I saw the article, the church does so much that the general body of the church has no idea. Mm -hmm. Like look no further than your gospel library app. And you're like, oh yeah, that's where the scriptures are. And then you look at literally hundreds of other resources that are in there that if you've never spent any sort of time beyond just going to your Book of Mormon or your New Testament, you're like, wait, there's a there's a collection of speeches from women at the pulpit in the gospel library. Wait, there's the, you know, the gospel essays are here in the gospel library. It's just fascinating if you spend a little time. So yeah, play it before. I love that. Um, let's see, where do I want to go with this? I uh, I thought this was interesting. Uh, previous guest of the cultural hall called as the new managing director for church communication. Aaron Sherinian, a longtime global communication specialist, uh, introduced as the new head of public affairs and media relations for the church. He is... Uh, He is the new managing director for church communication. He's been working as the senior vice president of global reach for Deseret Management Corp. Um, He's 51. Previous guest, I want to say episode 84 of the Cultural Hall, though you'll be able to find the link in the show notes, thanks to Megan who listens and and puts the show notes together. Um, It was interesting, his focus Uh, He talks about in the meeting, my focus is on how the Savior's way of communication was all about finding ways to reach everyone. He told the Deseret News, communications for the Church of Jesus Christ should always be generous, inclusive, and personal. And uh, just an amazing episode, both he and his wife, uh, worth going back and listening to. But the internet lost its mind, a a collection of the internet, uh, when he was called, because in his profile online, he had his preferred pronouns of he and him, 
and people are like, oh, okay, now we got a pronoun guy. Okay. Is that what is this? Is the church is headquarters? Are we a bunch of lefties? Like it was insane the things that you saw from people just because he said, you know, he said, here are my preferred pronouns. <sighs> um, <laughs> actually, I didn't I didn't know about that part. Um that's interesting. Um, here's the here's the thing with that that I feel. Everyone has preferred pronouns. Yeah. Even if you don't put them on your, you know, even if you're the most right wingest like you're a bird flying with two right wings uh you know you you wouldn't like if someone called you anything other than your preferred pronoun so i don't i just don't see a, a problem with with that there are people who that really really matters to and so if just putting that in your bio helps them address you or communicate with you i i, I, don't know. I just don't see why that has to be such a big problem yeah i don't yeah. have it in any of my social media but I just, I don't know. I, it doesn't bother me one bit if somebody does. Yeah. I mean, for me, so I, I mean, I have mine and I guess the, the thing that I have uh, thought when I put it is that I wanted to have that, um, you know, people will say virtue signaling and I, I guess it is, but in like a pure sense of virtue signaling in that, like, I, I want people to know when they're interacting with me that they, that I am a safe place that they can be comfortable with. And I think that maybe putting that out there means something, but I don't see it any different for me personally than like when I post something, um, with a rainbow flag that says, listen, I'm LGBTQ friendly. I'm not you know, homosexual or any, anything else, but I am friendly. I am an ally to those people. I am a safe place for people to be able to, to come and to talk to. And I, and I feel like well, I, what I almost said was, uh, let me think about if I want to, uh, what I feel like is I feel like Jesus would want, uh, everyone to feel like they could come to him. I'm no, by no means making myself a comparison to Jesus, but I feel like there was never anything where he's like, you, you, and you, yes, absolutely not you over there, not you, uh, you, okay, come on, like everyone, bring them all to me is what Jesus said. And and if we can help people feel comfortable and that's a little way that we can do it, that's great. But I, I'll have to send you a link to a couple of the threads lost their mind at the fact that someone was called to be the relation, uh, public relations for the church and had pronouns just insanity ensued that is crazy uh, i mean you said you're not trying to compare yourself to jesus but that's exactly who we are supposed to try and emulate um yeah. and you know if if we're trying to approach people to you know share the gospel with them and help them change their lives i think that has to start with making people comfortable and finding some kind of common ground where you know i'm comfortable with putting this out of myself so that you feel comfortable talking to me. And now let's, you know, build a relationship and share yeah. it off. I just don't see how you can do it with hostility and being angry about he slash him. Well, I'm going to do it. I'll show you, Taylor. I'm going to be angry and I'll show, I'll show you I can do that. What, uh, we, uh, we have a few minutes left. What other stories, maybe we can bust through a few of these pretty quick. What do you got? Uh, I found it interesting. The one about the West end, collegiate churches so mormons sign lease at west end collegiate church uh so this is a church in new york mm -hmm. correct yeah um i was kind of struggling to understand what it is but i guess what it is it's it's going to be a multi-faith building where the church will now have their rooms and this other church has theirs and there's going to be a third one as well that is not yet identified 
And then there are shared spaces like the chapel, the gym, the kitchen, and other rooms. Um, I went to their website. It seems like a pretty interesting place. They have a uh, a pastor on call button you can press on the website so you can that's cool request, request a prayer session with the pastor there if you know if you're feeling down or what have you. Um, I just kind of wonder how the church is going to fit in there, but uh, yeah, I don't really know what the use of this building is, but it seems like a pretty cool thing that they're doing. So uh, Corey K. Ward, who does the temple ticker with us, I sort of put him on this a little bit. And from what I gathered from him, because uh, there's going to be some renovations at the Manhattan Temple, which also houses some ward houses. Uh, yes, yeah, ward, like levels, right? Because that's how that temple is. Like the fourth floor is the first ward and the fifth floor is the second ward. I think that those will be closed. And so I think they're just renting the space. And so that ward will meet in that building. So this will the be time being. their meeting house. Yeah, right? there will be their meeting house. I was wondering, house. If, I didn't know if it was like for like activities or institute or whatever, but yeah, that seems good. That seems like an amazing opportunity to mingle with other faiths. I think that's awesome. And have an on-call pastor. Are you kidding me? That's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, the Tabernacle Choir's most popular song. I thought that this was interesting. Uh, when I saw what number one was, and this is determined by how many times these songs have been streamed. This is according to their YouTube channel. Uh, I'll roll through... If you, uh, I know that you probably looked at this. Did you see which one number one was? Were I you did. surprised? Yeah. Uh, I, I was, I was, I thought that it would be Consider the Lilies or, um, or like one that we do, uh, you know, something like from Man of La Mancha or something like that, right? Like something that would be secular that people would really like that um, that they would come to the Tabernacle Choir for. And and what is interesting is the number one, well, I'll go 10 to one real quick. My shepherd will supply my need is number 10 for the beauty of the earth. Nine angels we've heard on high. I believe in Christ. This is the Christ. Slow down. I'm trying to be like Jesus, the, uh, you know, primary song. Kind of interesting, clocking in at four. Oh, come all ye faithful at three, two, consider the lilies. And then the Lord's Prayer is uh, number one. And I and I was like, that's interesting. The Lord's Prayer is number one. And then you realize it's a collab with uh, the Tabernacle Choir and Bocelli. And it's like, of course, uh, of course oh, it's a seven plus milli song yeah. download, you know, that thing. And so far ahead of all the other songs. Yeah. Uh, had over 7 million streams and the number two had 2.8 million. So. Yeah. And that also so good. Yeah. If you've never heard that song before, take the opportunity link in the show notes to all 10 of those songs, but you can find that and be able to enjoy those cool things. What else stories? What other story got your eye? Um, Probably the one about, I mean, I know you've spoken briefly about it, I think, uh, on the, in the cultural hall, but uh, has Mormon Church lost Utah? Mm -hmm. The donaldization of religion has weakened its hold over the Beehive State. Uh, very interesting article. What I was able to, there's almost like fear mongering in it, I feel like talking about all the reasons that could be why we're losing membership in in, the, in Utah. And then they kind of briefly mention the, the actual reasons, which are, the amount of people who have immigrated to Utah from out of, out of state. And um, when it talks about the reasons people leave the church, they throw out, you know, all the things that have been in the media. So the financial scandals and the, uh, you know, handling of sex offenders in the church and things like that. And then one of the co-authors of the article then says, but the reason people re leave religion isn't usually those things. It's usually they just lose interest and would rather do other things. So I was kind of like, okay, so we could have summed it up much, much more succinctly than that, but they, they go into a lot of reasons why the 
corporate uh, direction of the church is leading people away. Yeah, so they used the term McDonaldiz- McDonaldization, uh, which was first introduced in 93 by George Ritzer. It's the idea that standardizing services in the name of efficiency and probability is what the church has found itself into. Think of things like... Um, you know, our correlation, the fact that we're all studying the same thing, the same week, the same year, and all of those things, and and point out that that could be part of the downfall, right? We love McDonald's. Mm-hmm. That's a collective uh, statement. But you know, when you go to McDonald's, I mean, I get a number seven, no pickles, no onions, and a medium Coke. I know that it's going to taste the same way it did last time, the same way it did next time. But you know what it isn't? It is not the same as the burger joint that's literally down at the end of my road where James, the guy who I'm pretty sure hasn't washed his apron since he started working there, gives me a hamburger and I go, hey, uh, have we cleaned the grills? No, we haven't. Thank you, because this tastes fantastic. It's a far cry. It's different than what it is. And I, and I think that, that there there is some validity to the you know, the church, should the church in Utah be the same as the churches in Ghana, as the churches in, you know, uh, Laos, right? Mm-hmm. The, the gospel should be the same. The teaching should be the same. But is there is there no space to have a little bit of separation? Some people would say no, and some people would say yes. And that's the McDonaldization. They're like, listen, what what's unique about it? It's streamlined. It's, it's corporation. It's stiff. It's not individualized. It's not personalized. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I do see that. I mean, I could see how that would maybe now members would maybe choose, you know, it used to be walk to Utah. This is the place to be. And now it's, well, the church is everywhere. So I could see some members outside of Utah, maybe choosing not to come due to that reason. Mm-hmm. They seem to kind of insinuate that it's also why people in Utah are leaving the church. Like, oh, well now everyone has it. So I don't want it. I, I just don't, I don't know anybody who doesn't want to go to church because now instead of the boy scouts, we have the, you know, standard, activities and everything right. for young men and, and young women. Um, but it, but it is definitely interesting, but I think that I think overall, that's a good thing, you know, that members in Peru have the, have access to the exact same things that we do here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there are still, you know, things that are individualized. Um, there's certainly things we do in Utah or more do more frequently that you don't see outside of, um, I, I think of like, opening a mission call in, mm-hmm. in Utah, that's like a, a party, you know? And then mm-hmm. in Peru, I saw a couple of kids open their calls and it was like a very reverent, solemn, almost like ceremony with just like close friends and family. And so, hmm. yeah, I think there are still things we do differently and that's beautiful. And that's the diversity of the church and of the world, but overall having the standard curriculum and everything like that, I think is a good thing. Yeah. I, I, uh, I also, um, as I'm thinking about it, I, I like that um, that that it at least is being discussed and the idea because what this stems from is is there was a recent survey that said essentially uh, where Utah was once a majority you know Mormon LDS Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saint member um, church that it is almost now minority depending on which statistic you go by forty two percent is the one in the article that we're talking about but it is a huge shift that needs to exist within the church in Utah, where we used to be able to, and I think wrongfully, assume everyone's a Mormon, everyone knows the thing, and there is now not maybe just as much, but there is a lot of work to be done uh, in Utah, so that laughable call of getting called to Salt Lake or Ogden 
you know, before, what are you going to do? Go hang out with the members? It's like, no, I'm going to go teach people who don't know about this just as there are in other places, not in the greatest number, but but starting to get to that number, right? 42%, I still, is a lot compared to other states that would have Mormons, but, you know, there's opportunities. We got to shift that, especially members in the state of Utah. Absolutely. Uh, so many times I think we just don't share anything because we just assume they either are already a member or they hate the church. And yeah. there are people who have moved here who don't really know much about it. Obviously they know it's here, but I helped the missionaries in my last word quite a bit and uh, they had so much work to do. So it definitely is a shift we should make, you know? Uh, yeah, there's work to be done everywhere. And now yeah. the majority of the people here, especially if you live in the Salt Lake Valley, like Richie and I do, you know, there's, there's so many people who are not yet members of the church. I say yet um, that uh, we can share the gospel with. So. Yeah. Uh, a couple quick stories here. Uh, the Relief Society celebrating their 182nd anniversary coming up on the um, 17th of March. There will be a worldwide Relief Society devotional that will be held. President Nelson and the Relief Society presidency, uh, President Johnson, President Dennis, and President Yi will speak to the women during this event. So make sure that you uh, have plans to watch that. You can find uh, more on churchofjesuschrist.org. Uh, and you can find that link in the show notes if you want to know more about that devotional. That should be a, a great, awesome time for the Relief Society to gather together and, and to celebrate that, Mark. Uh, a brewery in Salt Lake City is discontinuing its Deseret IPA after the church uh, issued a trademark-related complaint saying, hey, guys, we're not going to have you do that anymore. Uh, Deseret is how we produce other things like you know, you have the Deseret tomato sauce or applesauce or other products. We do not want people to confuse your beer with something that is from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So we would kindly appreciate it if you no longer make this beer. And they said, okay, large organization that could sue us and take a lot of money from us, we will discontinue said beer. Did they say it exactly like that? No, not really. They were sort of vague in their issuing of it, saying a large nonprofit that does not pay taxes has asked that we stop producing the beer named Deseret IPA. And so they're now essentially selling what they have left, and then they will discontinue it. Uh, the brewery is Bewilders, Bewilder Brewing Company, and they recently announced that, and they'll have new products uh, in the future. This is not the first time that the church has done that. There was a uh, write out actually by my house. There was a coffee shop that had the iconic um, Moroni. I can't remember what the name of the coffee was, but they had the the Moroni on their bags. And the church said, uh, listen, I appreciate what you're doing. Not actually stop it immediately. Otherwise we'll sue you. And so the cease and desist as far as that goes. That's just a church protecting its brand, doesn't want to confuse people. Do I think that uh, there are people in Salt Lake that are like, oh, the LDS church is making beer? Great, now we can drink it? No, I don't think so. But, you know, keep keep the uh, trademark, keep the brand pure as it was. Uh, we got time for about two or three more. What? Where did you want to go with this, Taylor? Um, let's see. This again. Um, the church is teaming up with Project Hope in Sierra Leone to, um, sorry, real quick. Okay. Uh, Church of Jesus Christ implements maternal and newborn care project in Sierra Leone. Um, so basically the uh, church is uh, implementing a, uh, this care project in Sierra Leone, um, working together with Project Hope and to educate nurses, uh, midwives, other healthcare professionals to aid in, uh, you know, decreasing 
maternal mortality rates, infant mortality rates, things like that. I was kind of curious about what that level looked like in Sierra Leone. And in most of the statistics I found, they are number five in the world. Jeez. Highest infant mortality rate. Uh, I think it was 26 a day. Uh, 26 babies a, a day die before reaching the age of one month old. Um, so this is amazing. Um, I hope that it sees huge success and that they can do it in other areas as well. Um, yeah, I just nothing but good things to say about that. That's awesome. Uh, the church celebrated its 20th anniversary of the Accra Ghana temple dedication uh, just last week on the 11th of January was when that was. It was the 117th temple. So 20 years in Accra Ghana, which is incredible. Uh, I think that this is interesting. This is a much bigger story. Uh, and you're maybe, this is where I get to be the uh, the old timer and go, you're probably too young to remember this. But when the church bought uh, a portion of Main Street in downtown Salt Lake. They made a deal uh, with uh, Mayor Rocky, Rocky Anderson and Didi Corradini to be able to purchase um, the land that was actually the street, right? And a lot of people are like, hey, wait a minute. How come uh, a church, a private organization, can purchase public land and and essentially block it off? And for the last 20-some years, the Main Street Plaza, a lot of people got engaged there. Uh, it's a thoroughfare. You're able to go from, I believe it's South Temple to North Temple to just walk through. And as the church is renovating Temple Square, that will continue. But with one catch later or earlier this week, it was announced that uh, there will be a gate that will be around the Main Street Plaza uh, by Temple Square. That's the part between Temple Square and the Hotel Utah. So from 11.30 p.m. to 6.30 a.m., it will be closed those seven hours to uh, keep people out of there um, overnight. Some say a safety concern. Others say it's just the church being able to flex its muscle. Other people saying, listen, if they own the property, they can do what they want with it. Other people saying, well, they should have never been able to own it in the first place. So now people have to walk all the way around. How dare you, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? You'll remember about a decade or and a half ago, there was a huge issue Um because the church said, hey, this is private property. And there were two uh, gentlemen that were there. Security came upon them as they were kissing. And it was a huge, huge story in Salt Lake that these uh, gentlemen were kissing in Main Street Plaza and, you know, just exploded again on the scene. But now the church has said, you know what? Done. We're locking it up. Overnight, it's closed. Can't come. Can't walk through. You're welcome all the other times. But overnight, 1130 to 630, please and no thank you. And, uh, I, I, you know, there will be people that we're going to, are going to try and be like, no, you can't do this, but guess what? Church owns it. It's, it's getting closed. Can't go through. Done deal. Yep. Um, any, anything else particularly pressing as we go in to ending this? Let's see. Uh, yeah, I think that probably is good. The rest are just sort of celebrity things and we can catch those real quick in a future episode without any sort of problem uh taylor how'd you feel about this do you like this i i like it um i hope i didn't fall too flat on my face but yeah this is a lot of fun and i'm i'm learning a lot of things like i always do from articles of news because i don't have too many channels of new church news coming through from anywhere else so it's always good to catch up and everything but yeah i love it you're you all right hanging out with an old guy for the last hour i mean <laughs> i didn't fall asleep. I 
I didn't fall asleep while we were talking. I didn't, uh, I I feel like I didn't ramble or tell you about the old days and how much it was so much better back then. We're all right. You're the youngest guy I know, Richie. I take back what I said. (laughs) Yay. Woo. All right. We'll see how you do here as we wrap this out. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body. We hope that if you were not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week. And that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, Chris at Alpine Lakes Travel, Rick McGee, Debbie Wanless, and Chocolate Cake Bites Podcast. We'll be saving a seat for you. On the back row. Of? The Cultural cultural Hall. Save me a seat. It's sure to be neat. On the back row. We really gotta go on the Cultural Hall show.